Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of Servant's Heart Chapel. I hope uh, this particular episode is a special blessing to you. So let's get right to it. Thank the Lord for Calvary. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 12. That's where I'll be preaching from. There was so much in this chapter. I normally like to write all my sermon notes in the Bible. Been doing that for years. Um, well, evidently, I've already preached on uh, verses 13 through 21. Because I've completely filled the page with notes and I had no room whatsoever <clears throat> on the rest of the page. So I had to print out all my notes for this. This is a wonderful, exciting, and encouraging uh, topic today. By the way, we're, we're getting ready to wrap up year three of preaching through the life of Christ. Uh, from January through to uh, to Easter, um, the way I calculate the way it's going, it's going to take about uh, roughly 135 sermons for me to preach on every event in Christ's life. Honestly, I did not realize there was as much there as there is. Um, <clears throat> it's amazing how much how much uh, depth there is to all these events and stories and interactions that Jesus had with others as he, there's those three years. We're talking about just a three-year period. Um, and John said there was so much more. <clears throat> you know... Um, Twenty two thousand twenty and and twenty one have really have really been quite a time period for us, hasn't it? We certainly have had no shortage of things that we could worry about, <clears throat> whether it's a pandemic. <clears throat> the economy, um, concerns about the state of our country, the political climate, the leadership that we have, the policies they make, the, whether or not we continue to have religious freedom in this country as Christ followers. All these things come into play. Even the weather right, right now, this, this cold that we had, and now Texas is still reeling from that. Actually, water shortages in places. Lots of things we can worry about. Worry is, is a, uh, someone once said, a small trickle of fear that meanders through the mind until it cuts this channel into which all other thoughts are drained. Everything just goes to that worry. <clears throat> Winston Churchill said, Worry is an emotional spasm which occurs when the mind 
catches hold of something and just won't let it go. A church sign read, Worry is the dark room where negatives are developed. George Washington reportedly said, Worry is the interest paid by those who borrow trouble. The American physician Charles Mayo called worry the disease of doubt. He said it affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, the whole nervous system. He said, I've never known a man who died from overwork, but many who have died from doubt. The great Christian leader, Char George, not Charles, Char George Mueller, knew the antidote to worry. He, he wrote, many times when I could have gone insane from worry, I was at peace because my soul believed the truth of God's promises. And we're going to talk about those promises and this cure for anxiety, that this invitation uh, to live a life free from worry that Christ gives to us in this, in this interaction he had with his disciples. <clears throat> Verse 22, uh, begin with, with chapter 12. He said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or about the body what you will wear. Don't worry about these things. We have spent too much time worrying about things such as clothes, food, health, money, and we tend to ignore the things with an eternal, eternal significance. We're going to talk more about that. Worry will cause a person to not relax and not be at rest. Frank Sinatra's daughter, Tina, recalls her father's unceasing and never this unceasing drive to succeed and make money, even when his health was at risk. She said he constantly worried about money and getting more of it. Even as he aged and his health was in tatters, and, and he he continued he wouldn't stop giving concerts. He started to have memory problems where he couldn't remember songs that he, he sang for decades. And so he relied on a teleprompter. And, and after the concerts were over, he'd go get hooked up to an oxygen tank just because he was, he was so frail. And his kids were, his daughter at least, was very worried about him. The time where he was... He was pushing almost, you know, he was almost 80 years old. And his daughter said, And Pop, you can stop now. You don't have to stay on the road. But he said, No, I've got to earn more money. I have to make sure everybody is taken care of. Constantly worrying about that. <clears throat> taking care of his family. Unfortunately, after his death, all that really happened was his family ended up fighting over his fortune. I think worry is something we all, at some point, struggle with. 
I know some of some some of us are better at not worrying than others, but I think everybody different points of our lives is something that's so easy to slide into. We begin to worry about our situation, what may happen next. And Jesus calls us to not do that. Verse 23, For life is more than food, what you'll eat, or about the body, what you will wear. I'm sorry. I misread that. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or a barn, yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than the birds? Jesus is trying to explain to us that God takes care of the smallest of creatures in the world and, and we are of greater value than those small creatures. And why wouldn't God take care of us? We are not only to consider the birds and God's care for them. We're also to consider the barrenness of worry. There's such, um, so there's no value to it. There's no redeeming value to worry especially for the Christ follower. The Battle of Brooklyn began in August 27, 1776. It was the first major battle in the American Revolutionary War following the United States Declaration of Independence. British General Howe's army was in New York and numbered 32,000 experienced soldiers General Washington had 20,000 troops, and none of them were as well-trained as those British soldiers. During an opening engagement, uh, Washington endured watching some 1,500 troops perish. I mean, they were just decimated. And he cried out, trembling, he cried out, Good God, what brave fellows! I must this day lose. Washington was a man of prayer and, and looked to the Lord as he feared the American army would be wiped out, completely wiped out during the battle. As he prayed, he realized that 8,000 men in Brooklyn had to be evacuated to Manhattan, but they didn't have any, she didn't have any ships that he could use only small boats, so only so many could move over at a time. So on the night of August 29th, they began to evacuate from Brooklyn across the water to Manhattan. And all through the night, American soldiers silently left their trenches and, and, and their entrenchments and, and got into these boats and slipped quietly into the water. And just before dawn, Major uh, Ben Talmadge remembered these following events and wrote them down. He wrote, at the dawn the next day approached, those of us in the trenches became very anxious for our own safety. And when the dawn appeared, there were several regiments still on duty. At this time, this dense fog began to rise 
uh, from the ground and off the river, and it seemed to settle in a very particular manner over both encampments. It was so dense that you could hardly see a man, hardly make out a man at six yards away. And that fog held for five hours into daylight. So it was basically noon before the fog began to lift. And that was enough time for the Americans to safely escape. God took care of these men for he He took care of those men. Just like he, he will take care of us. And God expects us and desires for us to look to him during our, our tr- times of trouble and tribulation. He expects us, he wants us to look to him and rely on him instead of trying to do it all on our own and worry about things we have no business worrying about. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. So true. Verse 25, can any of you add a, Jesus continued, can any of you add a cubit, about 18 inches to his height, by, by worrying? If then you're not able to do even a little thing, why worry about the rest? You can't even make yourself taller. By worrying about things, worry has no redeeming value. Perhaps you, you, you participated in an experiment. Maybe, maybe you've done this before. Or given, you were given a phrase like red car. And then told to not think of the red car. Don't do it. Put it out of your mind. Don't think about that thing which I just talked about at all. It's hard to do. Almost impossible. We can never forget something by concentrating on it. You know, we have these natural responses to challenges in life, these anxious thoughts. And they keep us up at night and, 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 they, and, they, and they brood upon us and weigh upon us. And, and God expects us to take those to him and just leave them there at his feet and let him take care of things. The Bible says that instead of, instead of being weighed down by our concerns, we should give them to God. In fact, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your care about him, for he cares for you. Jesus is trying to tell us this. We're being invited to a life that's free from worry. Then Jesus considered, uh, continued, verse 27. 
Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes, clothes the grass, which is in the field today and is thrown in the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you, you of little faith? <clears throat> God clothes the fields. Why would he not take care of us? <clears throat> A businessman ran into a friend of his, a stockbroker, who had always had problems with ulcers and high blood pressure. How's your health, the man asked. His stockbroker friend said, great, my ulcers are gone, and I don't have to wor- I don't have a worry in the world. The man asked, how did that happen? The stockbroker said, it's easy. I hired a professional worrier. Whenever something comes along that I need to worry about, I tell them about it, and he does all of my worrying for me. The businessman couldn't believe it. That's incredible. I'd be interested in something like that. How much does it cost? The stockbroker said he charges $100,000 a year. The businessman said, how can you afford to pay him $100,000 a year. The stockbroker said, I don't know. I let him worry about it. In the same way a stockbroker gave his worries over to a professional warrior, we should give our worries and cares to God. In other words, give your financial problems, your family problems, health problems, work and school problems, your personal problems, your your, pro, your challenges, uh, battles with sin, whatever it may be, all the, the what weighs you down, you give it all over to the Lord. When we fail to do this, we show a lack of faith in Him, and we we see Jesus gently rebukes us, O ye of little faith. Verse 29, Jesus continued, Don't keep striving for what you should eat and what you should drink. Don't be anxious. A striving and, and, and talking about don't be overly concerned with, don't facilitate worry. So many. Uh, that worry so much about the wrong things. <clears throat> when Lincoln was uh, on his way to Washington <clears throat> to be inaugurated, he spent some time in New York and with a man named Horace Greeley and told him an antidote that was meant to be an answer to a question 
he was getting a lot. Are we really going to have a civil war? Civil war is looming. And Lincoln liked to, liked to answer questions with antidotes, stories. And he said, in his circuit riding days, circuit riding as in a as in a circuit riding lawyer. Lincoln and his companions, riding to the next session of court, had crossed many swollen rivers on one particular journey, but a big river was coming up called the Fox River, and they were concerned about it. They said to one another, if these streams give us so much trouble, how shall we get over the Fox River? Well, when darkness fell, they... Uh, they they stopped for the night at a log tavern and they, they uh, met a uh, Methodist uh, presiding, the presiding elder of the district, this Methodist preacher, who rode all through the country in all kinds of weather and knew all about Fox River. And they gathered about him and asked him about the present state of the river. He said, oh, yes replied the circuit rider. I know about all about the Fox River. I have crossed it often, often and understand it well. But I have one fixed rule with regard to the Fox River. I never cross it till I reach it. We tend to often worry about things in the future. What may be happen could happen. There's no value in that. All it does is wear us out. And we, and we also know that it hurts us physically. It hurts us spiritually. It hurts us emotionally. And it hurts us physically. Worry. More and more. We need more stuff. The American dream. Missy and I have talked about changing economics in the U.S. in the past hundred years or so. And... The American dream, you know, used to be, you know, just a, a, a clean, you know, house that was in decent shape and food on the table. And then, uh, you know, later on, a car in every garage and, uh, and the white picket fence. Um, and then it, it grew from there. More stuff, more ability, more... Uh, uh, technology more and more the gr greater American dream now it's you know I want to be uh, American dream is becoming a millionaire and and I want to you know uh, spend the rest of my life um, you know just at ease yeah that, that's the life right I want to you know just relax and and retire for the rest of my life and not do anything. Have all the money I need to do whatever I want. If I just had more money. Yes, Robert. Yes, there is. Lots of them have been talking about that. 
An American businessman was at the pier of a small coastal Mexican village when this small boat rowed up with just one fisherman and docked there and inside the small boat were several large yellow fin tuna. The, the American complimented the, the uh, Mexican man on the quality of his fish and, and asked about how long it took to catch them. And he replied, oh, only a little while. And he asked, why didn't you stay out longer and catch more fish? And, and the man replied that he'd had enough to support his family's immediate needs. The American asked, well, what do you do with the rest of your time? He said, well, I, I sleep late. I fish a little. I uh, play with my children. I take a siesta with my wife, Maria. And we stroll in the village in the evening where I play my guitar with my friends. I have a full and busy life, sir. The American scoffed. I am a Harvard MBA, and I could help you. You should spend more time fishing with the proceeds. Buy a bigger boat, and with those proceeds, buy, uh, 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 buy several boats. And eventually, you'll have a fleet of fishing boats. And instead of selling your catch to the middleman, you would sell directly to the processor, Eventually, opening your own cannery, you would control the product, processing, distribution. You would need to leave the small culture, small town, village eventually, move to Mexico City, and then maybe to L.A. Or, or New York, where you'll run your expanding empire. The fisherman asked, but sir, how long will this take? And he replied, 15 to 20 years. So what then, sir? The American laughed and said, well, that's the best part. When the time is right, you'll announce a stock offer, sell your company, uh, and, and become very rich. You'll make millions. Millions? Then what? Well, then you would retire. Move to a small coastal fishing village where you can sleep late, fish a little, play with your kids, take a siesta with your wife, Stroll in the village in the evenings and play your guitar with your friends. See how twisted that is? It's not about earning more money. It's just having enough for your needs. I've never worried about that. Never, never worried about that trying to make more money. God's always just taking care of us. I've known a lot of people like that. <clears throat> but I just had a better paying job. Where were we here? Let's see here, verse 30, for the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things, don't they? 
the whole world eagerly seeks for what you should eat, what eat, what you should drink, um, what you should wear. And he says, and your father knows that you need them. God knows you what you need. But seek his kingdom and all these things will be provided for you. The kingdom of God, a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and, and learning to be a citizen of his kingdom. Follow, you know, living life with the, re, the knowing and, and the behavior and attitude that God is the king of all. Living as ambassadors for this kingdom. John MacArthur had some interesting, interesting quotes on seeking God's kingdom. He said, The consuming interest of the believer's life is in the kingdom of God, the sphere of salvation where God rules as king and Lord. If you live life that way, where your main interest is serving God and and, and living as a Christ follower, all these things will be added unto you. There was a time management expert who was speaking to a group of business students and he pulled out this large jar and he put some big rocks in it. And he asked the students if the jar was full and, and they said, oh yes. And so then he put some gravel in it. And he said, okay, is it full now? And then they already caught on by that point. They said, nope, not full yet. So then he put some sand into it and still the sand more and more fit. And then he said, is it full yet? Nope, not full yet. And then he filled with water all the way to the brim. He said, is it full yet? Yes, it's full. It's completely full. And he asked the students, what, uh, what lesson uh, are they to take away from that? And they said, well, you know, no matter what, you always have time. There's always something you can squeeze in time. It's like, nope. The point is, if he hadn't put the big rocks in first, they never would have fit. We spend all of our time, uh, all too often, people spend all their time focused on things that are of no value to themselves, either in this life or in the next. We need to find those things that are of the greatest importance to us and make sure those take priorities in our lives so they don't get pushed out, just like, like going to church. There are people who are not here today because they let the little things push out the important things in their life, like reading God's Word, taking time with God every day, Take, uh, spending time in prayer every day. Doing a little self-reflection. How is my heart doing with God? Am I living for the Lord? All these things that are greater priority. Spending 
all of our money so then when we come across somebody in need, we have no money to give them. You know, that's one, that's one struggle that I have had, is, right, is, is misusing, not having the right priorities. And there were times in my past where I, somebody needed, I came across somebody who could use help. And I couldn't do it because I didn't have any money because I spent it all on junk. And I was like, no more. Verse 32, don't be uh, afraid, little flock, because your Father delights to give you the kingdom. That word, don't be afraid, that word afraid uh, is, is in the Greek is phobos, which is where we get phobia from. This intense fear. Do you have any phobias? I do. I'm afraid of roller coasters. I get on one, if it's, if it's a dropping one, for some reason, odd reason, the loops don't bother me at all. But the dropping ones, um, I, I panic. I feel like I'm going to die. Uh, that's the fear. People are afraid, constantly afraid of life. They, they you know, oh, what's going to happen now? Oh, nothing, you know. Anytime something is not perfect, they're, they're afraid. Whose life runs perfect for more than five minutes? I mean, I'm obviously exaggerating a little bit. Whose life, you, know, you might have a, a perfect day, but usually something goes awry, right? The car breaks down or... Um, or somebody I uh, misunderstands something and gets offended, and you gotta you gotta fix that. Or um, you know you're concerned about uh, somebody's soul or with the direct choices they're making, or you know mu much things that aren't perfect at all. And so there's lots of opportunity to constantly be afraid and worry. And Jesus is calling us out of that. Don't do that, he said. He tries to make this case. He sets up this case of the birds and the flowers. And you're more important than that. You're valuable. You're important to me. God tells us you're important to me. Don't worry. Oh, ye of little faith. Verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that don't grow old and inexhaust an inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We're not called to some people interpret this that we need to sell everything that we own and give all the money to the poor. And I've known of a few people who've done that. And, and 
that's fantastic. And by the way, God always takes care of them. Um, we're called to not be possessors, but stewards. Randy Alcorn, Alcorn, author I love. I have books on his on finances, and and he wrote a wonderful book on heaven. Um, but he wrote that God owns everything. I'm just his money manager. Just live like that. I'm just managing God's money. Hudson Taylor stated a similar thought when he said, Hudson Taylor, by the way, neat story if you ever um, missionary. Uh, he said, the less I spend on myself and the more I gave to others, the fuller of happiness and blessing did my soul become. I agree with that. God blesses us in so many ways when we take the resources God gives us and instead of using it on ourselves, using it for others. God blesses us in ways that we could never receive a blessing by buying something for ourselves. Verse 35. Be ready for service and happy lamps lit. See, this is what we're supposed to be concerned about. So don't worry about the junk. Focus your attention on this. Be ready for service and have your lamps lit. By the way, that, that ready for service literally means let your loins be girded. Men wearing pants is a relatively new thing in, in human history. Men used to wear robes, long robes. And when you need to get in and work or uh, go to battle, um, that wasn't very, or run somewhere, didn't work very well. And so they would take uh, the bottom of the robe and, and pull it up and tuck it into the belt to basically make pants. Now it's easier to move in, allowed you to fight better, be ready. That's what you be ready to go. Verse 36, you must be like people waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can open the door for him at once. Those slaves, the master will find alert when he comes to be blessed. I assure you, he will get ready, have them recline the table and will come serve them. If he comes in the middle of the night or even near dawn and finds them alert, those slaves are blessed. But I know this, if the homeowner had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. Isn't that true? But you never know, so you always got to be ready. Verse 40, you also be ready because the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. You're ready to go home. One of my deployments, I we were waiting for a flight to go home, and I was at work. You know, the, the, the tent city that we lived was 
I don't know, maybe a quarter to a half a mile away from, maybe closer to a quarter mile away from where we worked. And I was at work and, and, and it was beginning of a 12 hour shift and everything was going good and there wasn't a lot going on at that point. And so I was just relaxing. I was outside. I remember I was outside reading newspaper. And somebody came up and said, hey, I, I think your plane's leaving. And boy, he said, you got, I think you got 10 minutes before everybody's got to be over at the, um, the place where we all gather and, and to get on the plane um, terminal. And uh, so I rushed to my, to, to my tent, ran full speed, grabbed my bag, threw everything in there. This dump stuff, and there was I, I, it was such a, a, a chaos. I, I didn't have enough room. They really just shoved it in there. It wasn't enough room to put everything in there, and so I leave a whole bunch of stuff behind. I didn't care, but I wasn't ready. If if I had been wiser, my bag would have already been packed, and just every day that didn't happen, I get clothes out for that next day and put the old clothes in. My bag would have already been packed. I can't let that happen. I don't want that to happen with, with Jesus. He's coming back someday. And, and I want anything to weigh me down this life. I don't want to be so concerned with what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to wear, and 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 uh, what toys am I going to have? And keeping up with the Joneses, I don't care about that. I, that worry is going to distract me and slow me down. And so I'm not ready to go at a moment's notice. So we, we're ready by focusing on the right things which does not include making more money and buying more stuff. Don't let this life weigh you down. Live for the Lord. God's going to provide. God is always taking care of Missy and I. I know he'll take care of you. Let us stand and pray. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at ServantsHeartChapel at gmail.com. Also, we have a website, ServantsHeartChapel.org. Um, we also have a Facebook page, so you're welcome to check us out. I'd love to hear from you, prayer requests, anything you may need. We are here for you. Have a wonderful and blessed day.